Yeshua starting Perakiyot. What happened after the story with Kivon? So it says, Vahi Kishmoi Adai Nitzelek Melech Yishalayim Kilachad Yashua Sa'ai Yacharima When Adai Nitzelek, who was the king of Yishalayim, heard how Yishua captured Ai and destroyed it, Kashayim Asa Yericho Yilamalko Kain Asa Lairo Yilamalko When he did it, Yericho Yilamalko He did it to Ai And that was the first thing he heard And then he also heard Given it to Israel by you, Bukirvam. He heard that Gibbon had made a peace treaty with Israel, and as a result, they could live with him. And the result of that, the people of Yerushalayim were very afraid. Gibbon was, was one of the biggest cities in Eretz Canaan. It was bigger than I, and there were strong warriors. So if there was going to be, so to speak, a coalition of forces against the Jewish people, like we saw at the beginning of the previous Perak, which is what the kings wanted to do, we saw at the beginning of Perak test, before the story of Givon, it says over there, and all the Melachim, which were Eber Yarden, gathered together to fight with Yeshua, and Givon, who was went to one of the Sotis who had joined the coalition, had defected to the Jewish people. So they were very afraid of the fact that there would be other defectors as well. But when you're trying to make a coalition and you see that people are dropping out of the force, so to speak, so then, uh, th- then <laughs> it's a reason to be afraid that uh, more people will leave as well. So the kings decided, before they decided to attack Yeshua, they decided they wanted to punish Gibbon. And uh, the idea was that would uh, deter other people from wanting to follow the same track. And this we found even in the Torah. This idea. Right? The halacha is by a Jewish war that when the soldiers have gone to battle, whoever's afraid, you should leave before they start. But once they go to battle, the mission says in Sota that they used to put Zakifim, they used to put soldiers held with iron bars behind the soldiers because they didn't want people to run away. And Rishis, the son of the mission says that if anybody tried to run away, they were allowed to uh, break his legs, it says over there, because uh, once there's a certain te- like feeling of failure, or people start to run, so more people will run as well. And therefore, similar to that idea, the same thing over here, the kings who had wanted to form this coalition against the Jewish people, and saw that now that given her defectors, they decided the way to stop other defectors is to collectively punish given, so to speak. And therefore, instead of deciding to fight the Jewish people, they're going to, they decided they're going to fight given instead. And that's what happens. These were the surrounding cities of that area. I mean, sorry, Lachish and Eglon. And he started to them saying, Come and help me, let us attack Givon. This will be a punishment for Givon, so to speak, for making peace with the Jewish people. So that's what they did. So they decided to attack Gibbon, as we said, to, so to speak, act as a deterrent from other nations also wanting to defect. So Gibbon weren't strong enough to fight all five of these allied kings. So what did they do? They sent a message to Yeshua who was in Gilgal still. 
So they sent him a message saying, I'll tear if you're Don't tear if you're Don't let your hand be so strict. Leave your servants. Come up to help us quickly. Help us, assist us and save us. All the kings who lived in the mountains region, which were the five kings who had come to fight Given, had gathered against them. So Given sent a message to Shur to ask for help. So how does Yeshua respond? So Yeshua decides to march on to, to assist Given, him with the whole Jewish army. And they decided to go to help Given. Now, to understand a little bit why. In other words, it's true that the Jewish people made a treaty not to destroy the Givonim. And therefore, even though they wanted to, the people wanted to destroy Givon because they were part of the seven nations that they were meant to destroy. Right? But they were bound by the promise of the Nassim, by the oath of the Nassim, as we saw yesterday. And now this is a case, if the other Malachim of the Knainim decide they want to fight Givon, so this is a golden opportunity to get rid of them. Right? We're not fighting them. They're being attacked by their own people. And if that's the case, why did Yeshua see it was necessary to, so to speak, march to their defense? Let them get killed. Again, we weren't necessarily wanting to ally ourselves to Givon. We were tricked by them. So we, we were, our hands were tied. We couldn't punish Givon. If the other kings of the Amorite decide to attack Givon, so I don't know. It does being done for us. But you see, Yeshua didn't act like that. Yeshua decided he's going to, he's going to march to defend Givon and to attack the other kings um, who are fighting, who are attacking him. So we'll see in a minute why, why Yeshua did that. In the next verse, the Prophet says, So Hashem tells the message to Yeshua, don't be afraid, even though it's a combined force of five different armies, don't be afraid of them. Because none of them are going to be able to stand in front of you. Be yet on the side of them. Giving them all into your hands. That means the Haba mean that So the first point is this, this message from Hashem. And that is, Hashem said, Be yet on the side In your hand I've given them. But it seems to be after the fact. So, yes. So let's just uh, say what the Malvin says over here. He says, Be yet on the side is past tense. Which means I already gave them to you. In other words, Hashem says, I orchestrated this for, for, to give you the opportunity to destroy all five of them together. And if that's the case, if, if this is a message which came beforehand, right, it's, uh, even though it tells before that you should responded to the people of Gibbon, but really this Nevo had come beforehand, Hashem said to him, don't be afraid of them, uh, this is the way to engineer it, to be able to destroy all five at once. So that's the case, Yeshua's marching on the five kings wasn't necessarily as an act of, to, of friendship or to help Gibbon, it was more of a way to deal with Israel's enemies, which were now attacking Gibbon. This would be give him opportunity, so to speak, to defeat them all in one war, instead of having to deal with each of them individually. That's uh, the one approach as to what happened. So what happened? Yeshua launched a surprise attack. In other words, the whole night, after they heard the, the, the request for help from Gibbon, so they march the whole night and they arrive in the morning and they, it's a surprise attack. The, the, the five kings attacking Gibbon didn't realize that the Jewish people were coming to defend Gibbon and therefore they launched a surprise attack on them. Uh, like, so that is still a much, a, a much bigger force. You're talking about five different armies. And therefore it wasn't just strategy. 
Akadish Baruch will cause confusion and in between the guy who are in front of Israel, and therefore, because as a result of that, they didn't manage to mobilize themselves effectively, Israel could, could administer a very strong blow to these kings, all these kings in Givon, as well as the camp, and then they turn to flee. And Israel runs after them. These names of places, and therefore, as they were supposed to be fleeing the battlefield, the Jewish people were chasing after them and uh, killing them along the way. And now we come to one of the big Nisim, which Yeshua does. While these, all these kings were running away from the Jewish people, they were on the way down from Beis Chayron. We know where Beis Chayron is today. It's if a person goes north of Yishalayim, towards Givadzev, so, right, so, there's, so we have a place called Beis Choron, which is more or less the same place as the biblical Beis Choron. So it's like uh, the hills around Yishalayim. When a person's on the descent down from, so to speak, so that's what's called the Merod after Beis Choron. Hashem throws in them stones from Shemaim, and that's where they were running to, towards the place called Azeko, Vayamusu. They get killed by the stones which have been brought on them from Shemaim. And the Navi tells us, Rabbi More people died by being stoned, so to speak, than were killed by the sword. In other words, even though Kali Yisrael did manage to wage war again, and they were successful, but the Maisa, what really destroyed these enemies, was the stones that Hashem rained them from Shemaim. What are these stones? Chazal tell us that this was the, the continuation of the Makkas Barad. We know that Mitzrayim, that the Makkas Barad was these hailstones which had the capacity to kill. Right? That's how Moshe warns the Mitzrayim, whoever's afraid of Hashem and wants to live, should stay indoors. Because they go outside, these hailstones which they weren't on Barad weren't just destructive, they were lethal. Is it because of the signs? Was it because of the fact that there was a fire within the stone? The different Chazals, it could be there, both were correct. But what we saw in Chazal over there is, it says, learn Yitach Arza. And when Moshe daven to Hashem to stop the Barad, so when the Barad stops, it stops suddenly. And therefore there's still hailstones in the sky which haven't yet fallen. Right? And we understand that. If, if Moshe said he's going to stop the hell right then, right, there would still be a number of stones which had been, so to speak, already sent down. But it takes time. Wherever they're falling from until they hit the ground. And therefore there's two options. Either Moshe's Tvil is answered in the sense that Hashem won't start sending more hailstones, but those which are already in the atmosphere are going to continue to fall. Oh, and if that's the case, so then it's true, there will be no more hailstones, so to speak, in number, because whatever hailstones have already been formed will fall. Except, if that would be the case, Moshe's Tvil wouldn't have been answered like he said, because he said if he doesn't, Hashem and Hashem will stop them immediately. And the only way for that to happen is that even the hailstones which have already been, so to speak, formed and have already been released, or they're on their way down, will be prevented from falling further. And if that's the case, they'll be remaining in wherever they are in the Shemaim without falling more. And therefore, so to speak, Hashem will stop the hailstones from coming down to the ground, but the hailstones are there. And that's what happened in Mitzrayim. This was a special extra dimension of the nest, which we have to explain. We talk about Marcus Barrett, why it was necessary to have this extra level of nest. And then it said Moshe was answered immediately that even the hell which had already been thrown, so to speak, was prevented from falling further, it was held in the sky. 
But says Hazal, where did that hail eventually fall? It was held in the sky, not, not, not forever. Right? And this here, by Yeshua, was a continuation of that same Makas Barat. So those hail stones which were already there, they were, Hashem sent them down to kill these five nations, which attacked the, which Christ was fighting against. And uh, that was the way that the Hashem kept His promise Yeshua to destroy all these five armies. Is that what asteroids come? The question, as always, why was this miracle necessary? The whole thing, the, the rumor, the, 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 that uh, if, if the other four force didn't mobilize themselves or they started losing ground or whatever it was and they became terrified and decided to run, so they'll lose. Like we've seen many times, which Hashem did for uh, various leaders of Kaisal when they went to battle. And Hashem did it here as well. That would have been a, significant, a sufficient way to fulfill the promise. Why was it necessary besides for that to also have these hailstones which came down from Shemaim and destroyed, and destroyed more people and they managed to kill by sword. So we're going to see in the continuation of the story, which we'll see next time by Hashem, that the reason why it was, there's two points here. The first point, why the health are necessary, and that is because there are too many people for them to kill by sword. Too many. There are too many people, there are too many of, to, to, to be killed by sword. And being as the mitzvah, like we saw, of killing the nations of Canaan, was to kill every single individual. Right, so it wasn't something which they would be able to do. The, the continuation of the story, the miracle we're going to see next time, about Yeshua stopping the sun to give them more time was for the same reason. They didn't have it, they'd won the battle, but they hadn't had a chance to destroy all the enemy. There were too many. And therefore, the first simple reason here is it was Hashem's way of helping them um, finish the job, so to speak. In other words, the Hellsons weren't coming to tip the scales or to help in the, in the, in the war because anyway Israel had won the battle. They also were only coming to complete the job of destroying these five nations. Now, just to get an idea of how many people we're talking about, the Jewish army was 600,000 men. We know. Those were the Anshayachai, those were the people who went to war. It says in the Pasuk, Yeshua went to fight for Chol Amam Bilchavim, he took the whole Jewish army with him. So we have an attacking force of 600,000 people who managed to surprise the enemy with a and break their ranks, and now they're chasing them and killing them as they go, like it says in the Pasuk. And so we can think how many people with 600,000 soldiers be able to deal with, assuming that there's no resistance because everybody's running away from them. And nevertheless, it says that more people got killed by the hail than got killed by the sword, which means you're talking about a tremendously big force of people who came to attack. And if that's the case, that needed so many people that Hashem had to, so to speak, assist the Jewish people in finishing the job of destroying the enemy by standing in the east from Shammai. And not only that, that Yeshua saw he didn't have enough time, so he has to make a miracle to stop the sun so that they would have more time to finish destroying the enemy like it says, and we're going to see in a few seconds time. But the reason he stopped the sun, he says, is that uh, he, the reason he did it is because he wanted to give Kaisal a chance to finish destroying, to finish destroying the enemy. Right. And given that this was also a huge nation, so given bigger than any single. Given was one of the biggest cities, but it wasn't as big as five of them. And here we have a million people. Right. So you're talking about a lot of people. 
Right, so that's the that's the first point. Um, that, now there's another point also, which we'll see in the next year, and that is in order to do that, Akkad Shemarfu could have helped to show kill the enemy. I mean, it, 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 there, are, there are other options available. But uh, the fact that this was a continuation of the Bayer of Mitzrayim, this is a continuation of the hailstones of Mitzrayim, is also significant. There's a reason why the plague of Bayer carried on here, over here. Hashem could have killed them with Devery, could have killed them with many other ways. Right, what was specifically unique about the Makkah's Bayer, the Makkah of hailstones in Mitzrayim, well, that was carried forward to be back at this stage in the battle to continue. That, as Hashem, we'll, we'll discuss in the next year.